Hello and welcome back to the Fowler Hour. Today I'm joined by Michael Bruni Groth. You might also know him as the founder and creator of the Logo Package and Logo Package Express extensions for Adobe Illustrator, which basically help you export all your files for clients in terms of logo designs, different colors, logo types, symbols, all that type of stuff in literally minutes instead of hours when <laughs> I'm sure we've all found times where you're going, actually, I really don't want to sit here for the next three hours and export every single version of this logo in all the color palettes only to find you've got the wrong swatches. The product that Michael has made and we're going to be talking about today has helped me personally and will probably help you too save hundreds and hundreds of hours in the long run with all this packaging of files um, and actually getting your ideas finished and sent to the client even faster. Now, a little bit of housekeeping for the show. Um, we've had some minor schedule changes. So any of the tweets and things you see about the show might not be 100% accurate, but in terms of getting guests onto the show, I've been really excited that we've had so many different diverse people on the show and so many different thoughts, especially. And it's really strange because the show has become and the podcast has become such a fun thing for me to do that when you guys at home are listening to this and send me a message to say you really enjoyed the show um, or you discovered the show by following a guest that promoted it, uh, it really makes me super, super happy because I do this show, as you know, fairly selfishly. This is my way to talk to interesting people in the community and to also reach out to people who I would otherwise not get to speak to uh, on a day-to-day -day basis or in real life because they're based somewhere else around the world. So to then have the feedback from you listening at home and to get such amazing positive messages about it makes doing this even more worthwhile as well to be able to share that with all of you. And speaking of sharing and providing value, Michael, our guest today, as I said, he is the founder of Logo Package and Logo Package Express. I love the Logo Package Express plugin. It has saved me so much time, especially making all these logos for my logo store recently. Um, and Michael has been kind enough to sponsor today's show and help provide everyone who's going to be listening to the show a 20% discount off Logo Package Express. Now, I get a small kickback from this because it is an affiliate link. So if you'd like to support the show and get a 20% discount, which is a win-win for everybody involved, and save yourself potentially hundreds of hours in terms of packaging up files, I would strongly suggest visiting the first link in the description. It's super simple to set up. Michael's got a ton of FAQ videos and blog posts about the software as well. And as you'll hear in the show, he's extremely passionate about helping this community. So yeah, definitely check out that link, get 20% off, help the show, help yourself, save yourself a ton of time. Now let's get started with today's show with Michael. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Fowler Hour today. I am joined by Michael Bruni Groth, the creator of the Logo Package extension. And well, Michael, it's kind of a bit of an early start for you. We've had some mess around with some daylight savings times today. Things have been up and down and around and around. Um, but welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Yeah, uh, great to be here. Uh, it's always fun when you wake up and your clock says one thing and your phone says another thing. So uh, gotta love the daylight savings time. But we made it. We're here. Got to pick it up and just go, and I've got nothing done today. <laughs> yeah. Waking up with that feeling of, well, oh, shit. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. By the way, just while we're recording, you can swear. There's nothing wrong with say whatever you want on the show. Fucking um, sweet. There we go. Love it. <laughs> I'll say, I think I said that to John Bresciani when he was on the show, and, and he's a uh, proper Australian boy, and it was just like, swear, 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 swear. <laughs> right. But I love it. It's great. So Michael um, and I got connected uh, for the listeners at home. Kind of, I've seen you around online. I've, I've viewed some of the content, the blog. Obviously, I'm a customer um, as well for the, the for the product you sell. But we got actually in touch recently through Arun Sharma, um, one of the guys, uh, Scientist X from the Young Guns. You might recognize people listening at home. And we decided to come and have this podcast today, not just to... Uh, talk about the logo package, but I think there's a lot of value there, but also to hear a little bit more about the man behind all of that as well. So Michael, can you potentially just give us a, a 20,000 foot view of what the logo package is uh, for the people listening at home? Because I'd love to start with what you've made and what you've created that has become such a helpful tool in my world and also a bunch of other amazing designers have all picked this up as well. So what is the logo package for people who might not know and what does it do? Right. So, uh, thanks for, uh, for bringing that up first. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, 
the logo package uh, is the company and then the product is Logo Package Express. And Logo Package Express is an extension for Adobe Illustrator or some people might call it a plugin. And uh, what it does, the way I describe it to people who maybe aren't familiar with design is when your company has a logo, um, sometimes there's a graphic that's involved with the logo. Uh, I would call it a mark, something, a symbol, you know, like Pepsi would be that circle with the red and blue in it. And then there's a logo type again, in the case of Pepsi, that would be the word Pepsi. And sometimes there's a tagline and what a designer has to do is, you know, they've finished this logo. The client loves it. Great. Uh, now you have to give them the files. You have to give the client the files that they need. Um, so that they can have a file for every given context that that logo is going to live in. And, you know, maybe the app has a, uh, it's, it's just that Pepsi circle and maybe the footer of their website is just that Pepsi logo type. So all of things, these things have to be separated out. They have to be converted into different colors, all black, all white, um, any, any number of variations in between. And, you also have to provide different uh, file formats, you know, JPEG, PNG, SVG for the web. You've got to have print formats. And basically when a designer wants to give all of those logo files to their client, um, they got to kind of do it one by one. And it takes, you know, sometimes 45 minutes to an hour for kind of the average package to package up all those files when you do it manually. So the extension Logo Package Express automates the whole pro process. It's just a new window. You open up an Illustrator, you set your logo, and it automatically creates all of those different variations. It parses out all of those different components, and then it exports them in all of the file formats. And beyond that, it puts them into a pre-sorted uh, folder structure, and it names them with something that's really easy for clients to understand the, the file naming convention. So all of that, instead of taking 45 minutes to an hour, you know, now if you're proficient with the tool can take two to three minutes and I, you know, I advertise under five minutes. So that's, that's the, uh, that's the overview of what the logo package, um, is about and what logo package express does. Yeah. And honestly, for people, people listening at home, the logo package express has saved me probably hundreds of hours because I, I'm not sure how much you've kept up with my stuff, Michael, but I've been setting up a, a logo store recently for pre-made things. Right. Um, and I have over 100 designs um, from this challenge I've been doing for the last few months. And to sit down and manually do those in all of those different file formats or even to um, write a script for it or an action for it um, would have taken hundreds of hours more, um, which has then eventually culminated into lost profit because of the time I would spend doing it. And just to kind of backtrack to when I was starting into in logo design or in identity design in general, the actual idea of packaging up all these files is not something that you really see on the outside. It's one of those tasks that is listed so much of like an admin task. Um, people don't talk about the back and forth you have to have with clients or about how to send an invoice. But one of the key components, as you've just described, that takes 45 minutes to an hour, most of the time it takes people even longer than that, I bet. Um, just to, especially if you go a bit overboard with all the icons or the badges that you make to go alongside the logo and logo type, um, it can it can really eat into your time and your profit, but no one really talks about this. So when it came to figuring that problem out and in initially finding this problem, what did that look like for you on your end? Because I know your background is in design. Um, you're not a person who's just spotted this as kind of a, a plain business opportunity. You see the problem. You've probably been part having this problem as well in the past. So when did this all come about in your mind as kind of the spark going, oh, actually, there's something we could do here? Right. Um, so it's, it's a couple of things. Um, firstly, I think it's important to know that I set out to create a product for designers. I didn't know what it was going to be, um, but I, I wasn't just kind of sitting around thinking about my own problems and then kind of got this inspiration. I, I definitely was at a place in my career where, um, you know, I was working for myself as a freelancer and I, I had some extra time and I had, you know, the convenience uh, of a little bit of runway meaning I had some money saved up where I didn't need to be working, you know, grinding every day just to survive. So 
that's the first component of it. But the second component of it is um, that there was a little bit of personal history with this with this idea. I didn't know when I set out that it was what I was going to do, but you know, after I picked my kind of topic to focus on, it definitely uh, was related to my past. So I I worked um, at agencies for about four years in Chicago. And in my second job, I, I worked at a, a boutique branding agency. There was anywhere from six to 10 people working there total, you know, throughout the time that I was there. And one of the things that I regularly had to do, which had not been a part of my job or experience before that, just like what you're talking about being someone who's uh, self-taught and oh, suddenly you've got this project and, oh, wait, I got to give you know all these files to somebody. Um, and I was given a very specific framework of, you know, what, do we need to do? And some of, uh, some of my frustration with that particular agency job came out of the fact that I was always the one who had to kind of do this grunt work. Um, I wasn't at the level of somebody who needed to do the grunt work. Uh, there wasn't a hierarchy at this agency, meaning, you know, there was definitely an owner and a creative director, but then each project kind of had its own project lead and other people would help out. And there was developers and designer developers and, so, you know, sometimes I led on projects and, you know, did the whole thing myself or got help from people who were more senior than me. And other times I was just kind of doing production stuff. But the longer I was there, the more they were relying on me to do the production stuff because I was very fast at it. I was always interested in the newest techniques and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I would have to do these logo packages. And every time it was, a, you know, an hour on our estimate, essentially for the client. And, um, you know, if you ever screwed up, you had to go back and remake all these files again. And then once you were done, you had to double check and like literally open hundreds of files and make sure the, you know, swatches were right and all that stuff. Um, so it was definitely something I was acutely familiar with, but I did not set out to solve that problem. What I did was basically I, I had some free time in my personal job. Well, working for myself, I had two contract jobs, one with the American Medical Association, downtown Chicago, the other as a creative director for um, an agency in San Diego that did Kickstarter campaigns. So I was designing a lot of those campaign pages. And I lost, well, I didn't lose, but I left the um, Kickstarter contract because uh, that company was kind of losing people. And I didn't want to get into a situation where I, they couldn't pay me and I had to have tough conversations with them about that. You know, I figured I would get out before that was a problem. And then in the future, I'd still have a good, good contact there, which has turned out to be true. Um, but I essentially had half my time open now. And I started reading a book, um, on basically app design. Cause it was something I hadn't done. I'd done websites. I'd done branding, collateral logos, all that stuff, but I had never done an app. So I was interested in it and I started reading it and the book was called how to design products people love, uh, by a guy named Scott. It's either Herf or Hruff. Uh, have to double check the last name there for you. Yeah, we'll have a look and I'll see if I can put that link in the description as well for any of the books we talk about. Great. Um, the beginning of the book was all about research though, was a, which was a surprise to me. And I think it's actually a surprise to a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs and they they start off, they think, you know, I have a great idea about something I would like, you know, let me make that. And then all of a sudden millions of people are going to want it. And it's just not how it typically works. Um, so this research method is called sales safari. It's by, it's a concept by um, Amy Hoy and Alex Hillman of stacking the bricks uh, is their blog. And then their course that teaches people how to start these kinds of businesses is called 30 by 500. That's three zero x five zero zero um anyway the the meat of the the process is that if you try to ask people what problems do you have you know let me just get a bunch of designers in a room and say hey what problems do you have they're kind of kind of scratch their heads they're not going to really have like something immediately to say oh you know i have a problem with that logo packaging process man that takes forever because maybe you don't even know that that is something that could be better you just accept it as one of those things that's kind of crappy um especially so, if people like don't track their time 
right. this is something that I've noticed um, and it's just kind of building on that story and discussions other people have had is like if you don't track your time here and don't realize ah which bit of this process do I absolutely hate um, which bit do I thoroughly not enjoy doing um, whenever I'm working on this type of logo is <laughs> when you don't do that it just becomes an absolute nightmare to then as you say be put on the spot you don't actually right. know what these issues are right and, and you know side note it is important to do what i call post-mortems after a project and compare mm, how much time you thought you would spend versus how much time you did spend and of course if you had the if you ran into those problems like oh i you know i said i would do print management and you know i, I should have marked it up because it ended up costing more blah 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 um but there are there's a lot of benefit of doing a postmortem. But the uh, research method basically says these people aren't going to really tell you, but what you can do is you can use the power of the internet to, yeah. Jazz hands. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz hands for sure. Uh, the power of the internet to find places where people kind of bitch about their problems. And you go to forums, you go to, you know, places like Indie Hackers or um, Design Twitter. Design Twitter, <laughs> exactly. Or even if you're part of a Facebook group, yeah. um, there are just over in the left sidebar there, if you're on the desktop version, there's a search button, you know, and you can search, you know, painful words, uh, problem, hate, whatever, and like see what people are, are writing about. And essentially now you're just kind of a fly on the wall. And you're starting to see how people talk about their problems and what their problems are. And you might find a thread. And what is happening is now, if you picture the Venn diagram, right, you have your area of expertise and then you have their pain and somewhere in the middle, it's going to overlap. And that's where you're looking for your product ideas. And it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be an app, right? It could be a newsletter that you send out to help these people and people pay to be on newsletters, believe it or not. It can be a book, an ebook. It could be a course. There's lots of things that everybody at every sort of level of technical proficiency can create um, that would help address that problem that they can make money off of. Um, but anyway, in my research, I started kind of looking around the topic of logos and basically I found two or three core issues. Issue number one was, I don't know what files to give my clients. You know, like a lot of people starting threads about like, hey, what files do you give your clients? Um, issue number two is, I know what files I need to give my client and it takes forever to make them. Is there something out there that makes this quicker? And problem number three is, I know what files to give my client, it takes forever. And once my client gets all these files, they don't really know what to do with them. And they come back to me and ask for stuff that they've already got. So those were the three big pain points I found. And, you know, I have a whole um, folder full of screenshots with highlighted parts about, you know, people complaining. And the great thing about this process is not only does it help you kind of find things to work on um, that people might not bring to light very easily in a face-to-face -face conversation, that might be kind of hidden, I guess. Um, but it also helps you see how these people talk about their problems. Because if you can turn around and use the same language that the people with the problem are using to market to them, I mean, if somebody, if I read over and over, somebody says it's total pain in the ass, then I can have in my copy on my sales page, like, this is a total pain in the ass. And people are like, oh yeah, I resonate with that. Um, or, you know, one of the things I found was there has to be an easier way to do this. And that ended up being a line in, you know, my promo video. So it, it just helps you connect even more deeply to the problem that somebody has. But original question, kind of how do you come up with this idea? I needed, I, I had some free time. I set out to create a project. I researched on forums and blogs and Reddit and that sort of stuff to find the problems, find how people were talking about them. And then what is the solution? I could have written an ebook, you know, like this is how to make a great logo package. This is all the files that you need, you know, that would have been valuable to people. Um, I could have made a course to doing the same thing that would have been valuable to people. But what I really thought would 
solve this problem as as much as possible would be to create something within a design program that makes the whole process faster and automatically gives you the files you need anyway. So you don't really need to know. I mean, it's great to, to be educated. We don't really need to know why you're getting these file types if you're just trying to get something done for your client, but you are going to get everything that you need. So you're going to get all the files you're going to, you need. It's going to be a much faster process. And then, you know, I have a good folder naming and, and file naming convention. So that should help some of alleviate some of the like problems that clients have finding the right file, just being consistent with your naming and foldering. So I came up with a, what in the sort of entrepreneurial startup world, they call an MVP, a minimum viable product, which was me just vaguely scraping together some scripts that other people had written, um, recording some actions inside of Illustrator, which kind of automatically do the same thing over and over again. And then writing my own app using Apple script, which is basically like writing in English. So it was easy to learn because I don't have a huge coding or development background, um, which would sort the files. So essentially, if you had bought the first version of Logo Package Express, you would have gotten a bundle of actions and scripts and templates. And then you would have had to follow like a 15 minute tutorial that told you how to install all these different things in different parts of your computer. And, uh, you know, people could do that. And people a few people bought that. Um, and I, I think we can maybe talk about how the product became a success, you know, uh, a little uh, later, but essentially that first version was very, very rough, but people were still seeing value in it. And then once I noticed that people were seeing value in it, then it was time to invest in making it a full blown extension, something that's very much just point and click and, uh, and that's where the product is today. It's a much easier to use tool than, than it was at first. Yeah. And I do remember having discussions with people when, when you first, when this idea first came onto the scene um, with that MVP, uh, with your minimum viable product and going, I see what you're doing here and I see why you're trying to fix this problem, solve this problem. But A, I know that it's a bunch of actions and scripts and I could do this myself. And it's like, nah, there's no way. Like I'd sit right. there for six hours being like, oh, someone else has done all the work for me. This is why, but this is why I pay for things like um, Logo Package Express. This is why I pay investing in my business for other people to do things for me is so you don't have to spend all those hours doing what you've done, which is do the research, do all of that right. um, and right. pull it together into something that's actually worthwhile doing. And something that kind of caught my interest while we while you were explaining that, which is a, a great story, I think, for people who are thinking about doing something outside of just design, but also looking to help other people within their field. Um, but I was also just thinking that often when people would have um, free time or downtime um, or a break in projects and a little bit of runway, as you said, they'll often be told and taught, especially within the design field, to take that time to improve your portfolio, to do some fake case studies, um, to go out and network with other potential clients to build that lead list. And what's your perspective on the idea of doing that versus potentially making a product that could help other people? Because obviously that's the route that you went down. Right. Um, and I know people in the audience are going to be going, well, I've got this free time, Connor. Should I be looking at maybe trying to do something similar to Michael? Um, not obviously the same product, but trying to do that process yeah. um, and saying, well, or do I do it on the flip side and go, well, actually, I'm going to rebuild my entire website and all of that type of stuff, because that would be the common route, whereas right. what you've done is not the common route, I would suggest. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. Um, I would say, you know, I was I had already been a designer for probably close to 10 years at that point. I had, you know, I went to... Um, you guys would call it university, but I went to college and got, you know, a, a BFA, a bachelor's of fine arts in graphic design. And I had been working for agencies. So you can always improve your skills, but you can also be at a certain level of confidence in your career where, you know, you kind of know what you need and what you don't. So I would say those first two things about, you know, working on your portfolio or doing some case studies, I think those apply very well to people who are starting off in their career. Um, the more content you have out there about yourself, the more work you have to show. Um, certainly you don't need to put that all up, but you want to have it in your, um, 
toolkit essentially for any type of client that approaches you and say, oh yeah, look, this is an example of the type of work I've done. That's excellent advice for people in that phase of their career. The third thing that you said um, was, uh, I've got I've to remember it here. Heading down more of an uncommon path, picking the idea of doing a product rather than just bolstering your portfolio. Oh no, it was about networking, right? There you go, yeah. So the third thing you said was about networking and building that client list. I think at, at the level of experience that I was at at that phase, that is the thing that most people would focus on. They would they would focus on, you know, I've got some free time. I don't have to grind out and work. What I need to do is fill up my schedule for the next year. Let me get some people on the books. Let me network, make some connections. Um, there's a, uh, a guy that I've followed for a long time. Uh, his name is uh, Ron Sigal. Uh, he is from Israel and he runs the uh, YouTube channel called Flux. Um, something he did recently, which I thought was pretty cool, was he found this, he, he works in the, in the tech space. He, does, he works with tech startups and those websites. He found some um, investor and investors are constantly dealing with tech people. He found an investor that had an awful website that was literally just like an HTML, like raw HTML. And he took that website, he redesigned it, and he gave it to the guy for free as a way to sort of build contacts. I mean, it, it's probably took him like an hour and a half tops to do all this stuff. Um, and I thought that was, that was a brilliant example of, uh, of networking and kind of talking about what you're talking about. But as far as what route should you take, I honestly believe that if you know anything about anything, there is value in sharing that knowledge, but it takes a certain level of expertise to set yourself up in a way to share that knowledge where people should pay for it. I guess. Um, and you know, you would never, you would like, I would never be a business coach right now. Like I would never get on a platform and be like, I'm a business coach. I, I have a successful business right now, but I'm literally figuring out everything I do every step of the way. And I, none of it is based in any sort of fundamentals that I could distill and teach somebody in the same way that like, somebody who went to business school or has been an entrepreneur for, you know, a decade or something like that would, would do. So I wouldn't make a product about that because I don't feel that I'm an expert in that area. I did feel that I was an expert in illustrator and logos and that sort of thing. So if you are at the level that you feel like you have some, some good expertise and you know, then you also have to worry about combating, uh, uh, what do they call it? Where you, where you don't think you're as good as you are. Imposter syndrome. There you go. <laughs> like, kick that to the side too. Don't, you know. But if you have some expertise, then yes, you can go down the sort of passive income uh, product type idea. And a lot of people who work full-time do this as well. They make a course in their free time and then they're still taking on clients. You know, you don't have to drop clients and... Uh, you don't have to put off doing work that is your regular stream of income to sort of build up a secondary stream of income. But if you are in a position where you feel like you still need to develop your skill set and you're still working on you, then definitely go the route of working on your portfolio, building up some, some experience and networking. That's what I would say the difference between those two routes is and should be yeah especially when it comes to doing things like well as you say it, it depends where you are in your career and i think that's a very valuable piece of self-reflection people need to do um because when you reach that point um you have many different choices and different paths to go as you said at the start it doesn't have to be um, making a product for designers you could be building something for your potential clients to save them time um, it could be in a completely different market maybe you notice the skills you use are actually valuable to photographers or to um, some other place but but no thank you for for explaining that and and as you said it could be potentially dependent on someone's career path career level um, and what they're wanting to do there now i want to go quickly back to something you mentioned in that in your last spiel your explanation just there of, of how you 
build up that expertise. Um, because when you're someone like yourself, it didn't seem like you had a major internet presence or online presence before building this product. Um, you're kind of doing your own thing, you had your own website, and obviously your clients knew who you were, but as a general community thing, um, I, is it fair to say you were a fairly unknown person on the internet? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, yes, because to me, I was getting what I needed from my environment already. I didn't need to go somewhere to get advice from people because if I was working on a project, my coworkers were the ones giving me critiques. My clients were the ones giving me critiques. Um, and, and there's this whole other universe that exists now thanks to the internet of people who are teaching themselves and who don't have somebody working next to them that they can talk to. So they need a community. Um, that was never where I was at in my career path. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, and now that I'm not in that type of position, I do seek out community. Totally. And obviously, as, as you mentioned, building up that expertise and that kind of um, platform for yourself and obviously the product you were building is very important. So how did you go about that? Because one of the things that's kind of a big topic of, of fairly controversial nature in the community at the moment um, is the idea of thought leadership and building expertise in fields, ideas, and even tactics and skills that you don't have. And people just uh, regurgitating things they either haven't done um, or even things that they have done, but when they talk about them, the way they talk about them feels kind of inauthentic. Um, so as someone who is building a new product, trying to explain to people that what you're building is important, it's a powerful tool. I know it's a powerful tool because I've used it myself. But how did you go about putting that foot through the door and really saying, this is who I am, this is what I know, this is why this thing is I'm building is good? Um, right. Because I can imagine there was probably quite a lot of pushback at the beginning from people um, either in comments or reviews or emails you may have received saying, I don't believe in what you're doing, Michael, and I don't believe you. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's very interesting because I, I still don't really have much of a presence online. Um, what I have done, which probably isn't very helpful to the average, um, to your average listener, who's somebody who's trying to get clients and build up a presence on social media, the, the primary gateway to my success has been utilizing people like uh, yourself who already have shown to their large audiences that they are experts. Now, what that boils down to is basically I use affiliate marketing. So I partner up with people who are design influencers who have a large audience. Um, so there's a couple of, of things to talk about there. And one is, okay, you still kind of need to convince those people that you're an expert, right? You still have to convince the, um, the influencers. And the, the way that that kind of came about was through recommendations, right? So the, the power of really making an impression on one person, you know, can't be um, underemphasized. So it's funny, you mentioned uh, Arun at the beginning of this video, and he actually had a crucial role in even me getting into um, this affiliate marketing. Basically, when I launched that, that bundle and script version that you, you know, aptly said, I could probably do this myself, you know, I, I did it myself too, <laughs> so I understand. Um, when I had launched that, I made two sales. I had an email list of 36 people. Uh, which in my mind was very small. I was happy to have anybody sign up for an email list. That was always an exciting thing, but I knew that 36 people wasn't going to, you know, make me uh, a, a hundred air, even, a, you know, <laughs> let alone a millionaire or whatever. Um, so I kind of viewed my first launch as a failure. And then I got two more sales over the course of the next three months and it was around the holidays and I decided to have a holiday sale. Um, so I, you know, sent out my emails, I posted to my social channels and somebody told somebody who told somebody. And basically I get a message on Facebook from Arun at about, I don't know, four or five in the morning for me, uh, cause he's in India and he 
basically said that he could put me in touch with um, some people with large audiences. So I said, excellent. Yeah, let's do that. And next thing I know, I get an email from Ian Padgett, who runs a group called Logo Geek. He's fairly well known in, in the circles that you and I run in. And he said, you know, I've got the largest active Facebook group for logo designers. I've got, uh, he said all this very humbly as well, if you know Ian. Um, I've got 93,000 followers on Twitter and I'm ranked number one on Google for the search term logo files. So, okay, yeah. He says, you know, I'd love to work with you. Do you have an affiliate program? And I said, of course I do. Yeah, obviously. Come on. <laughs> and I had no idea if the platform that I was selling through had affiliates. Um, but it did, thankfully. I use Gumroad. And anyway, that got the ball rolling. So once once I met Ian and once he saw the product and like it saved him so much time, even that first really rudimentary version, um, it was then it was, it was just, I mean, I guess it's the goodness of his heart, but you'll find that a lot of people are willing to help. And he put me in contact with other people. And, you know, once I made that first thousand dollars in sales, um, of the first version, I said, okay, well, I got to invest on making, in making this the best possible version of this product that I can. And from there, I mean, it just more and more people, uh, I got connected to through the connections I was building. So I built out, a network of millions of people in a, in an audience um, that I had access to, but that were not my people. They're not on my mailing list. They're on somebody else's mailing list. Um, they're not on my Instagram. They're on somebody else's Instagram. But those people trust me. Those people know I'm a professional, and I maintain relationships with those people. I chat with them. I you know I some of them I know about details about their personal life. You know because we're basically friends. Um, and we just kind of talk as friends would, not even business people. Uh, and that is how I've been able to establish a presence online because now all of those people with huge, you know, SEO value are linking back to my site. And, you know, I st- I don't even know if I have 300 followers on Instagram. I certainly, I have like 2,600 people in my email list, you know, and a thousand of those are probably customers. So. <laughs> I I still don't really have a presence, but that hasn't been my focus. My focus has been on building those affiliate relationships, being of excellent customer service to the customers I do have so that their word of mouth is more emphatic. They're more excited to share my product. Um, I'll make custom tutorials for people. They write me, they have a problem. I'll do a loom screen recording and I'll send it to them. You know, like I try to respond as quickly as I can. And that's been how I've established my, I wouldn't even say presence, but just that's how I've established the success that the product is having. So it's not a case of you have built up a massive audience yourself, but you are now connected via strong, secure social channels um, and, and you're powerful networking either through people who have been like Arun, who've been very generous. Um, or even just uh, a more business negotiation style of building those affiliate links have actually built out an audience. What size do you say roughly now? Do you think it's, think it's millions at this point of audience members across all platforms? Well, if I believe that the, the, the numbers you know, from the, the social media platforms are correct and that that individual can reach all of those people, then, I mean, I've, I'm working with... Um, Jonathan from Logo Inspirations on Instagram. He's got a million plus followers. Yeah. Um, the, the future has agreed to work with me. Uh, and, you know, they've got 800,000 or something on their, on their subscribers. Um, you know, Ian, uh, people who have blogs that get a million visitors every, uh, every year, you know. So, yes, if you take all of that, I have the potential to reach that many people. And of course, every Instagram post that you make is not going to go to every single, you know, not every single one of your followers is going to see it. But if I had to guess, there is at least that many people. Um, And and even as an estimation, like even as an estimation, Michael, like it's just to be able to say, 
there is potentially this many people in the audience um, who I can tap into or potentially reach either through my providing content as you do for your newsletter. Um, right. And there's that whole thing, is it Kevin Kelly, where he's like, you have a thousand true fans. So even if those thousand customers on your mailing list are the only customers you ever have ever again, they're likely to spread it to more people on their own. Um, but being able to, as you say, tapping into that rest of that audience, even if it's only um, 10% of that million, that's still 100,000 people. Right. So that is still a considerable chunk of people who are going to be at least interested in what you do because the audiences are related. Um, and I don't think that's a perspective that many people take because this is something I've discussed before in terms of, um, and at least noticed before as well, the reason companies like Skillshare have so many affiliates is because they recognize that my audience is able to bring them customers and they get me a kickback as well. Right. Um, which is the benefit of the whole affiliate thing. But I think just as a general perspective, it also you're doing it from a, a selling a product point of view and building expertise, but you can also do it in terms of reaching new clients and or new um, audience members. So for example, if I was to just spitballing here, let's say myself and Miriam Isaac do a, uh, a collaborative project on Behance together, um, that could be related to identity logos and UI UX, for example that collaborative project will then reach audience members that she has or potential clients that she has in her audience who need logo and identity that she doesn't do. Right. And it's so as a designer, there's both ways to look at it as you, as you're saying from the product side of reaching and, and selling more product, but even just as a designer, there's potential there to um, build out that network and reach people you might not otherwise. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's called the network effect. And it's, it's kind of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but yeah, yeah, basically yeah. everyone is related to Kevin Bacon through six connections that they have. Not and really sure look at why it. you'd want to just be connected to Kevin Bacon, but yeah. I mean, if you got to pick somebody, pick somebody with a tasty name. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, even on LinkedIn, oh yeah, I'm third degree connection with, uh, you know, some politician or something like that. I mean, it's, Yes. So it's at its base, it's the network effect, but I think you have to combine that with genuine interactions if you're going to go that route, right? If you're going to build up a lot of content marketing, which I still do and you still need to do, uh, I have a blog for the logo package. I um, do have a newsletter, as you said. Uh, it's kind of always about adding value so that people trust me so that if I tell them about my product, they're more likely to buy it. Um, I'm not strictly trying to build a community around this idea, but the affiliates, I can reach out to them at any point and say, Hey, uh, you know, somebody just posted a video about me. Do you mind sharing this? Or, um, I'm going to have a sale. I didn't realize today was, you know, the, the birthday of my, my product. I feel it's a good time to have a sale. Like, not at the drop of a hat, but pretty close to that. These people, because I've built up relationships with them, are more than happy to share um, what I'm doing. And it's going to be the same thing when you have a client base. If you just reach out to them every once in a while, hey, how are you doing? You know, you're not trying to get any more work out of them necessarily. You're just touching base. It's why when you watch something like Mad Men, they're always go out getting drinks with their clients and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's a little bit opulent in that regard, but just a simple email or if you text or WhatsApp or whatever you use to communicate with your clients, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Catch up, make that connection. And then you're a person and that, and then that person is going to be more likely in some networking situation to say, Oh yeah, you need a designer. I know somebody. And that is much more powerful than somebody finding an ad on Facebook or somebody finding an ad on Google because they don't know you. Your ad copy has to be really good. Then they have to click on it. Then your landing page copy has to be really good. And then even then only a small percentage of people are going to reach out. But if one of your clients is in a networking scenario and they're talking to people who already know them and trust them, and then that person says, yeah, who did your logo? Like they're already so much more primed to just have you be the solution to their problem that that conversion rate, if you want to think about it in those terms, is going to be so much higher. You're going to get 0.2% conversion off a of Google ad and you're going to get 30% conversion off of a, uh, 
you know, a referral from somebody. So definitely that's, that's a very good way to think about the network effect and how it's important for either a design business or a product business. Yeah. I think building off that ideas of Kevin Bacon, I think Tim Ferriss talks about this quite a lot where he says, you should be looking to build a network of people that you'd want to interact with in five to 10 years as well. Um, and to nurture over a five to 10 year period, because if you find someone who's good at what they do now, well, they're going to be an expert or a master at what they do in 10 years. Um, and their network will obviously grow and things like that. And that doesn't mean to be extremely picky with who you put in your network, but at least making an effort to make connections like you have, Michael, where they lead to more opportunities or at least lead to good recommendations. Right. Absolutely. Even if there's no work on the other end, because I've I've had similar things where clients have referred me um, to potential other businesses to work with and nothing's happened with it. But at the same time, they've said, well, I'm really sorry, Connor. Thanks for the recommendation from the company you've worked with. But right now, we don't need anything. But in terms of the future, there's six years, five, six months, sorry, six months, a year, 18 months uh, down the line. There's always a way to build that. And I'm sure you see that with your customers as well, where they'll purchase something and then 18 months later, or maybe not that long, but six months later, someone related to them will pick up the product as well. Or there'll be a referral or a testimonial that says, right. hey, so-and-so recommended this to me. Right. Yeah. And I think um, it's very important in both product, I guess it's any type of business, product, or if you're running a design business, it is very important to identify who your best customers are, who are your best clients, um, even if that doesn't mean monetarily, right? Even if that client ever only did one project with you, but you enjoyed communicating with them and you know you, you have a friendly relationship with them or as a customer like for me I send out an email one month after purchase that asks a couple of questions that I can essentially build into a testimonial if I want to but people who fill that out and then are like super excited to fill it out and give really great answers I track those people and then when I need to run uh, you know a beta test or something those are the people I want to reach out to or if I'm going to say Hey, uh, I'm launching on product hunt today or something like those are the people I'm going to want to ask to say, you know, will you share this? Um, and in the same way, the best clients, if you nurture those relationships, those are the people who are always going to go out of their way to find work for you. Exactly. And I actually had a call last week with a guy who by the end of the call after the start of the, well, at the start of the call, he was like, well, you'll never find anyone in this business who will work for this price, da, 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 da. And then by the end of the call, it was like, oh, actually, I'll go find them for you. Right. <laughs> to which I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> but it's, yeah. that, it's that conversation, as you say. It's, it's the ability to say, I appreciate and value what you do. Let's keep talking about this. Or let me get back in touch with you. Or I recognize that you're an important customer and I value that. Um, right. Which is the one of the things Seth Godin talks about, isn't it? Where in terms of marketing and building your business, those word of mouth referrals are what will sink or grow your business over the X period that you run it. Absolutely. Yeah. And yep. now looking to the last kind of 10 minutes or so of the show, Michael, I want to talk about what you're doing looking towards the future, because we've been talking about what you've done in the past, what you've built right now and how that's going and how to build up all these connections, which I think people at home, I hope you find this valuable because the idea of we're talking to someone here who has a lot of skill in building communications and building a network and working with people within the industry to make something for his peers, for designers, for other people who have problems, not just a case of working with uh, with other clients in terms of your servicing them for a logo, because the knowledge that's been dropped in this show so far in terms of just on the communication side, let alone the research and the product building is extremely valuable. And I think you need to start seeing your world with that perspective of, as you said, Michael, building an audience that is not entirely kind of rooted on your own accounts. You're building that network to reach more people. But where are you looking towards the future now, Michael? What's on the horizon for you? And where do you see this, either with Logo Package Express going in the future, or just this industry in general and what your kind of goals are looking right. towards near far future? Yes. So I've been able to have uh, a fair bit of success. I'll, I'll just be transparent with numbers. I've probably done close to $120,000 in sales in just over a year. Um, Excellent. For Congratulations. The first, thank you. For the first version of Logo Package Express and the new version, 
uh, I should say that version is almost a year old now, the version that is an extension. Um, and I haven't done anything super complex. You know, I don't have uh, a client relation management tool. You know, I'm not tracking my customers extremely well. I'm not doing paid ad campaigns. You know, it really has come just through these affiliates. And so I'm trying to keep this, my ventures to a one person operation where occasionally I have to hire somebody out to do something for a specific amount of time. That would be a developer to add some features, so on. Uh, I don't want it to be where I need to have employees and that sort of thing. And I'm currently working, you know, 12 hours a week, maybe 20 hours a week. And I'm living off of that easily. It's, it's, um, it is not requiring nearly as much mental drain and energy as, you know, those full-time agency jobs. And I, you know, I'm really appreciative of that, but I also don't want to bog myself down with things that other people might think are necessary. Um, that just don't really matter that much to me. So in essence, what I'm trying to say is I'm going to just keep doing what I've been doing in terms of growth. I'm going to keep reaching out to people. Uh, I've been trying to reach more podcasts because I think that's a kind of a fun way to, to talk to people. Um, but certainly people with big blogs, big newsletters, um, that's what I spend most of my time doing is just trying to find those people and getting in touch with them and seeing if they'd like to work with me. Um, and one new thing that I've been adding to that is since I have built up this network, now I can bring the value of connecting other people without it meaning anything to me. Like I can say, hey, I'd love to be on your podcast, but if, you know, if this isn't what your audience is typically looking for, I'm also happy to introduce you to this network of people that I have built up that would be excellent guests on your podcast. And I just kind of have the belief that if you can make two people, you, if you can help two people make money, that will come back to you uh, in some way in the future. So that's an added, a, a yet an, another benefit of having um, a network like that. So that's, I don't really have much strategy in terms of like changing my growth methods, but I definitely have big plans for the product and in order to really focus on making that as good as possible, I can't really take on client projects and I can't really develop some of these other product ideas that I've come up with over, you know, over the time that I've been working on this project It really requires that focus. It's hard to do sometimes because you get really excited about a new idea and you're kind of tired of working on the same old idea, but that's what my livelihood is based on. So I'm going to stay focused on it. I'm trying to release version two of the extension within um, the next uh, three months. And it's going to have three major features that my customers have requested time and time again that are only going to make the extension that much better. Uh, that's kind of phase one. Phase two is... As I said at the beginning, there were three problems. What files do I give my client? Oh my God, I have to give all those files. It takes so much time. And then my clients don't know what to do with the files once they get them. And that third part is still not totally solved. So I'm working, uh, the next big thing I want to do is still going to be related to the logo package, but will be much more about helping clients get exactly the file that they need without having to go back to the designer. That's the next real big project. And then beyond that, I would love to not be dependent on Illustrator. Because right now, you know, there's about 6 million people who use Illustrator. For the most part, they have to be English speaking um, to use the extension really well. Uh, and they, they have to be logo designers, right? But if I can reach anyone who's a logo designer, uh, 
that would be much better than just being re reliant on Illustrator. So what that's going to require is me to create some custom software standalone application that repl replicates the functionality of the extension. And that would be like the five year dream kind of goal would be to have something like that to really solidify the, the whole business operation, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's a, to have that kind of vision for a product that you've started with actions and scripts in right. is, is excellent. And, and to hear that you're able to drastically reduce your hours that you work in a week to solely focus on one thing has, is a drastic improvement over where you started. So to think about where that could be in five years, um, obviously dreaming of a, a standalone software will help you get around and, and step away from the the shackles, shall we say, of um, using someone else's software, whether that would right. be uh, Adobe or Affinity or um, even building on some, the top of something that's uh, open source, you still are tied to that. Right. Um, and... I'm very, very grateful to have you in my network because of that focus and to be able to see that someone has taken the time to really understand this community. Um, and I think many people who are listening to this show are very grateful for that and for the thought that you put behind building this product um, and to, to have actually done something more. Because I remember when we had a, a call previously, um, I was basically saying that I don't ever buy anything on a pre-purchase, ever. Right. I never pre-order anything. That's like, well, it's not it's not strictly true. I have pre-ordered one video game in the last five years, and that's sure. Doom Eternal. But that comes out in two weeks. But the the point I'm trying to get here is that I have been let down so many times in the past by pre-orders. You get let down, particularly with video games, where things are never shown the way they actually turn out. So when we had that first discussion, I explained this to you. But now I have at uh, the product. I'm actually uh, very very excited by what you create to see that you have this vision and it's not a case of you going, well, I've built this, I'm going to put it on Gumroad, uh, just, you know, stick a kind of a, a Google ad loop on it, which picks you up on YouTube and on Twitter and everywhere and just leave it and run away and it will just make income for me every so often. That's not the approach you have. And to see that you've actually turned what was originally just a small idea into something that has growth and scalability proves that you're going to be here for the long term and it proves to me and hopefully those listening at home that the product you have is actually valuable and you care because that's what I see when I talk to you and I hope that has come across um, in today's episode. Um, yeah, definitely. Thank you. And yeah, Michael, where can people um, find you on the internet? Because I'm afraid we've reached the our time limit for the end of today's show and I'd like to give listeners as well for making it to the end of the show a little special something as well. So where can people find you on the internet? Um, well, the, the product you can find at thelogopackage.com. And then there's also a blog, which if you're new to this topic of making logo packages, is definitely going to help you without really, you know, trying to sell you on anything. Um, that's blog.thelogopackage.com. And then I have um, social media channels for the logo package. But certainly, if you want to chat with me, you can try to find, you can chat with me on um, the Facebook page, which is just the logo package. Um, and that's sort of a company business type chat, but it's me behind it. You can chat with me through my, the, my website. There's a little chat bubble thing like, you know, everybody has basically. But also, if you do happen to find me based on my name on Facebook, I'm happy to... Uh, have Facebook Messenger conversations with people. I don't like accept friend requests because I keep it for family and and close friends. But I'm more than happy to chat on uh, on Facebook. But I have all the social media. I have uh, Twitter and Facebook and um, and Instagram for the logo package as well. If those are where you like to be. Perfect. Thank you. I'm sure people will have some questions. Now, all those links are going to be down in the description. And I'm also going to include a link today, guys, for everyone who has listened to today's show. If you'd like to go and check out uh, Logo Package Express and just the website in general to learn a bit more about what you might need and how the extension works, or whether you'd even like to get the extension for yourself, which I'd highly recommend, uh, Michael has been kind enough to help kind of sponsor this show a little bit, helping provide this audience with a 20% discount for Logo Package Express. Now that link is going to be the first link in the description of today's podcast. So you can go and check it out there and pick it up at a fairly heavily discounted rate.
Um, now, as I always say with my sponsors, this is an affiliate link, so I don't do earn a small kickback from it, but this is something that I would highly recommend purchasing for yourself. I don't share products or ideas or even websites on this show that I don't trust and don't use myself. So as a very grateful customer of Logo Package Express that saved me hundreds of hours, I would highly recommend going and picking this up with that 20% discount. First link in the description. And Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm sure people will find this extremely valuable. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Great questions. All right. And as always, guys, we'll be back same time next week. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you can leave us a review, please leave a five-star review for the show. I'll read them out next time I do a solo episode or something where I can squeeze it in somewhere. But thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back same time next week. Bye for now.